in your ear. Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. I'm Josh Sprague. And with me, as always, on the Balls Your In Your Podcast, Balls In Your Ear Podcast is... Frank. Frank. <laughs> Frank is here. And we're going to talk some basketball because I think as we speak, right, the first game is kicking off of the second half. The Spurs are playing somebody maybe tonight or tomorrow night. Um, I was watching Wednesday. a the Grizzlies game. Grizzlies, right, there's, Spurs, there's maybe? Grizzlies, Wizards. Okay. So, so ball, so ball is happening. It's back. We are it's, back from the from the All Star break. Yeah, two and, games um, tonight. There's two games tonight, and then fully in effect Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So this this podcast should be out before then, I think. So yeah, we're balls in your ear, and we're ready to talk basketball. Um, Frank, I did not watch any of the All Star weekend because I just felt like it was stupid and pointless, and did not want to deal with it. And after Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I did not got, play because they got haircuts. They got haircuts, um, which sucks. It sounds like like you know it was like their barber that they've been going to this whole time, and then he got it because you know the man's got to work. I'm sure he's not just giving Simmons and Embiid hair, haircuts for a living. Although he probably could be, they probably should be paying him for that. Yeah. So the whole thing is uh, was probably a little unnecessary. You're thinking these NBA players make enough money where they could have personal barbers like like bubble barbers basically who just yeah. either like stay with them or they know like you're only doing my hair or like you're the designated like bubble barber for this whole NBA team in this because they had a barber shop in Orlando. Right. So they, they should just be having a designated barber that a, a whole team should agree on. So they don't have to deal with this stuff. I hope, I hope to the basketball gods that there was a documentary being filmed about the barber shop in the bubble. <laughs> Where like you wouldn't even need the camera to ever leave the barbershop. You could just set up right. cameras all over the place. Yeah. And then like the different lighting of the day would change the mood and boom, you got like like I remember during the bubble, my favorite moment of the whole bubble. There yeah, were but two. KG there... wasn't in the bubble. I, I know. Like it's <laughs> what's the point of having the barbershop cam without like, Kevin Garnett there? <laughs> what are you saying Kevin Garnett needs lots of haircuts? He, he no, has no... <laughs> no I'm, just, I'm just saying he, he's the guy who you want to hear talking in the barbershop. That's true. Um, but like, but I loved just to sidetrack to the bubble real quick. The thing that I really loved was these little moments. You saw these players. I don't do a lot of social media, but I would go on Bleacher Report and they love to do like Instagram posts. So there were two that I remember I really loved. One was the Sixers were in their hotel watching as the Mavericks arrived. And of course, Tobias Harris and Boban are like best friends. And it's their first time not being on the same team together. And Tobias Harris see, sees Boban walking in with Luca, and he's just talking to himself. He's just like, "Look at Boban hanging out with Luca," and he's just like <laughs> disgusted. But it was funny. Uh, a better one, well, even better one though, was um, after the the Jamal Murray Donovan Mitchell like duel when yeah. they went. Then they both have fifty, or, or Mitchell had forty and Murray had fifty, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I feel but like they were, they were both at, at least 40, 45 points. And, yeah, they were battling against each other. And um, Donovan Mitchell was, like, at the pool, like, after the game, just, like, chilling out by himself, I guess, on his phone. And he sees 
I don't know which one I said. I think I said Donovan Mitchell. And he sees Jamal Murray across the pool, doesn't know he's there. And Jamal Murray's <laughs> also just chilling by himself, like talking on his phone, probably really excited about the scoring 50 points in a playoff game. And uh, and it was cool just to see, like, it's weird that, like, you know, these guys just played against each other in a playoff game. And they don't get to, like, talk to the press and go home. They get to talk to the press and then just go, like, linger around the same hotel together. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they're just at the pool, like, taking care of their family business or whatever. It was just a neat little moment. Anyway, that was my aside for the bubble. Got me talking about that. So let's bring it back to real basketball. Um, I want to talk about a bunch of things. I have a whole list of things I want to talk about, but I think we should start with players because you were right. Our last episode we did before the All-Star break, we wanted to talk about uh, Joel Embiid Um, because at that moment, maybe we're behind the news at this point, but Joel Embiid's last like two weeks before the all-star break were fucking sick. Yeah. He, uh, he had the Utah game where he had the step back, like fumbling pump fake three to tie the game at the end. And he had like 40 points. He keeps putting up like 25 yeah. points in the first half of every game. Yeah. He's I, I just was saying, and then the Sixers went, went on to win in overtime. So it wasn't right. just, you know, a, a cool shot and a nice stat line. And then they lost the game. Like that's what they needed to win that game he had to get it in overtime for them yeah i think you got to the point i was gonna long my long wind my way to he's playing like a guy who wants to win the games every night right right (laughs) play to win the game yeah well he's doing it though because he's seeing like he's now you know keep last year the sixers were embarrassed in the playoffs the year before they had of course the the triple what was a quadruple doink of Kawhi leonard's shot that yeah. beat them when I think they really thought they had a chance to win a championship with Jimmy Butler in that playoffs. And I certainly did. And I think Embiid got a taste. And after being embarrassed last year and, and kind of not getting some of the awards he thought he could get, he really, he, he took the Michael Jordan approach. He took it all personal. And now he's out there deciding that he wants to be one of the three or four best players in basketball. He wants to be the best player in basketball, but um, I'm putting him up there. I'm saying this season, Joel Embiid, the conversation you have is LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid. And Giannis may be fringe. Yeah, he's definitely in the top five for the MVP race, which is, we were talking about, you know, big men a few weeks ago, and it is pretty cool to see a legit center in there, in that conversation again. Yeah. And two of them, because Jokic might not be, might not actually have a chance of winning, but he's certainly someone who should be in the conversation. He's, yeah, yeah. And Giannis, I, well, I guess we have to count. It's it's kind of the, the deepest um, MVP race I, I can remember right now. Because I really mm-hmm. – I could almost get to 10 players where I'm not sure, you know, after another month or two of basketball, which one of them is going to end up on top. So at least seven or eight guys I think you, you can't take out of it yet. Yeah, I agree. And I think that we can we can – We'll, we'll loop back to that when we talk about what we're looking forward to in the second half, which players yeah. and teams and everything um, we, we should touch on. Oh, so yeah, no, I, I just, we, we got to talk more about and be just like, wh- where do you think this is looking historically? Because l- like you said, um, he's, he's taken a different mental approach this season and, um, and he's, you know, he, he's recommitted himself to being mm-hmm. um, focused on, on the game and not all the antics, not like, you know, I'm, I'm going to joke around, not like I'm going to, I'm going to stare down and intimidate 
mm-hmm. you know, the guy, I'm going to foul the guy who just like fouled me hard. He, he used right. to get involved in all that stuff. And, you know, it made him popular with the fans and all, but I think it became sort of a sideshow. Yeah, I, I, I've always like aired towards I like a little sideshow, but I agree. I think his balance was certainly off because he would. The problem is he would do some of those things in like the first quarter when he wasn't playing well. And you're like, no, Jojo, like you can't if you're if you're over four to start the game and like got two offensive foul calls on you, you can't be like talking shit. You got to get your focus together. But like, I think I think his aggressiveness, funny enough. So here's the thing. Every year Embiid has clearly added to his repertoire of moves, of, of, of skill set, yeah. of mental, of mental, like checklist of how quickly he can go through things on the court. Now he's a really good basketball player. And the thing that he added this year, that is the ultimate devastating thing is, is funny enough, his mid range, his spot up mid range. Cause now when he gets into the post, if you, if you take a step back, he doesn't hesitate. If you back up a step before he starts mm-hmm. dribbling, He's just going to pull up and shoot over you because he's bigger than whoever's guarding him, no matter who it is. And, and and he makes it. Yeah. And that's a deadly kind of combination, you know, along with his size. And that's mm-hmm. really rare in a true center. So, I mean, he, here's what I'm thinking. I'm already saying he's better than Patrick Ewing and he's better than Dwight Howard. He's better than they ever were. He, yes. he already has a more complete developed game than mm-hmm. they did. He's closing so for, in on Akeem. He's not there, but he's closing in. Well, Akeem is the guy who, you know, that was the, the comp that people were saying, you know, the ceiling for yep. him coming out of Kansas. And, and you know, I, I believe the scouts. So I was like, okay, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was willing to give that a chance. Um, I, be, before you get to Akeem, I think this is what I think he's on the cusp of. I think he's on the cusp of getting um, at least to, to sort of David Robinson, who I put behind Akeem and Shaq and Wilt and Kareem. Yeah, but basically it's like he's knocking on the door of a top five all-time center. If this season, if this is what he's going to be like for a few years, I mean, he is, he, he, he could exceed the, the smoothness and the quickness that, a, that a David Robinson had in his prime yeah. um, with even more consistent uh, shooting from away the hoop, uh, away from the hoop. And I mean, he's he's never going to have all all of those real nifty moves that Akeem had, but he, he's, he's going to be the next closest. He's got thing. plenty yeah. of them, though. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he's got and, time and to develop them. Shot, and a three mm-hmm. point shot that that most of those guys never even did. Robinson did occasionally, but none of the other centers were trying to you know develop a three point game. Yeah, Robinson. It was a novelty, and that was the most you were going to get out of a center who wasn't Sam Perkins, <laughs> who <laughs> yeah. who was happy enough to stand back and shoot threes. Um, yeah, so he's been, so Embiid's been incredible. Um, I think, yeah, is, are you, are you good on Jojo? You want to talk a little more? You got more? Are you, are no, you I'm, I'm good. I mean, so, so you agree with me. I mean, he's really, it's, it's yeah. really, um, and, and, and it's not talking from, from a Homer perspective, um, you know, being a Sixers fan, it, because I'm You're always a skeptical. partial Sixers fan. Let's be real. We should put everybody, we should let everybody <laughs> yeah, know. Right. I am a true and true Sixers fan. <laughs> I've, I've loved two basketball teams in my life, the Seattle Supersonics and the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's it. Frank, <laughs> uh, you split your loyalties in many directions. Yeah. I, I always have like one or two West coast teams going like, since and I was you like the Celtics and you I, like, the Celtics, I like the Celtics, which just poisons I, the well completely. Um, so, so I think just for the audience sake, I'm much more likely to be a Homer yeah. than, than you yeah. are. I'm, yeah. I'm more like a, like a Homer by, like by birth. It's like right. an, an obligation, you know, 
but uh, <laughs> and, and that's why I'm, I'll be a little more skeptical of, of guys coming up, you know, guys who the Sixers draft and, and right. develop on the team about whether it's really every, every bit as good as the, uh, the local media and fans, you know, say it is. And I, I am at that point with Embiid where, yeah, it, this, this is real. This is really, um, he's looking like one of the best centers. <laughs> he's, he's an elite player. And I'd say as to your David Robinson point, I think career length is the only thing at this point uh, yep. in terms of top, like the ceiling of, of Jojo is already above Robinson's best. Um, yeah, and I, I think, mean, and, and Robinson didn't even have that long of a career because he, right, he, he came in older. Yeah, he was in the Navy and then he came in. So really, you know, five more years of Embiid and, and I, I, I'm going to put him in the top five centers of all time. Yeah. And the funny thing is he kind of combines, I mean, cream, cream is so unique because the hook shot's not just like not a thing anymore. But um, in terms of like, you look at, and Wilt, Wilt, of course, we've only seen in like horrible old footage but you feel like Embiid is kind of has things that are part Wilt part Shaq part Akeem uh you know part every one of those guys yeah right that that you named he's got a little bit of all of that in him plus he he understands the modern game he's not trying to be like a fucking stone golem out there he's he's you know he'll dribble he'll he's gone coast to coast he's going coast to coast uh, a couple weeks ago and slammed it. It was awesome. He yeah, just took it down. He's like the, the, the midpoint, like the compromise. He, he doesn't, he doesn't have the touch mm-hmm. that Olajuwon and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had, and he doesn't have the power that Shaq and Will had, but he's got bits of, of, of both bits of those of styles. Yeah. yeah. It's thrilling. Um, speaking of another player who in his time was thrilling. And I think uh, has, has looked very different the last two weeks is um, Russell Westbrook of the, and the Wizards. He's got he's got he's got things moving in Washington, and I'm fascinated by this because I Russell Westbrook's one of those players that like on a mental level of as a basketball watcher, I understand that he is not an efficient basketball player. But as someone who grew up watching Allen Iverson in the ugliest era of offensive basketball. I can't help but love a guy who's every night is like, I'm not even a position. I'm just a basketball player and I'm going to score more than you and grab more rebounds than you. And I'm going to just be a demon on the court at all times. I love Russell Westbrook. Always loved him. I don't even think I'd ever want him on my team, but I love watching him. And and there was nothing. There's very few things in the history of basketball as exciting as when (laughs) prime Russell Westbrook was just like a bowling pin up and down the court and just like slamming on people and just unconscious out there. Yeah. And, I, I was going to say he's, he's like a wrecking ball. He, he's, yeah. he's the guy who you don't want to be guarding on defense. You're just like, God, Never. Damn it. like yeah. he's keeping me on my heels the whole time. Like yep. I can't take a defensive series off. This guy's going to keep attacking me. And it, I, it might not even matter if I play him well, he's Alan Iverson in a, in a linebacker's body is what he is. And uh, the thing that's fascinating is it seems like if if he can sustain the way he's played the last two weeks, he's figuring out his old man game, which is kind of why I brought up Iverson because Iverson's late career always frustrated me because he kept trying to play his young man's game at when he's, when his body couldn't do it anymore. And he never, he never adjusted to be a distributor who could, who could, who could spot score and be a bit, and you can be a really effective basketball player that way. I mean, a, a little bit. So going going to the Denver Nuggets with, with Carmelo when Carmelo was a great scorer, um, 
did help Iverson's assist numbers. They, they did yeah. go out. He, he did become a, a bit of a distributor and George Carl's offense. Um, that was pretty easy for him to increase those assist numbers. Um, but yeah, as far as the becoming the spot he didn't really shooter, commit to it though, that part of it, he, yeah. he didn't, he didn't convert the rest of his game. Right. But Westbrook is because is pivoting into like, uh, I shouldn't have said the word pivot. He's becoming the pivot of the offense um, and having, and I, th- and it's, I, I have this, I don't know if I'm taking, if I'm crazy, I'm taking crazy pills, but the idea of Westbrook running the offense and creating these looks, and he is secretly really good at getting high quality looks out of his teammates. Um, when you put Bradley Beal next to him and West, yeah. and if Westbrook is mature enough to say, I don't need to take 20 shots a game anymore. I can take 10 and get nine, eight, nine assists every night and still just crash the boards like a fucking demon out of hell as a, as a guard that's a really helpful player. And if you have Bradley Beal taking the scoring off him, all of a sudden I'm like, if the wizards can snag a helpful player at the trade deadline, all of a sudden they're an interesting team. Yeah. They would, they would need one more, uh, one more good player, but um, uh, yeah, Bradley Beal has been singing Westbrook's praises. He's been saying like, I love this dude. He's the Mm -hmm. best teammate I've ever had. Um, so obviously he sees that. I, I, I guess if you're on a team with a player like that, you have to feel that passion and you feel like he takes so much of that pressure off of you. He's, he's drawing the, uh, the defense. He's trying to force he's you know, a double team. He's trying to yeah, get guys to, to rotate the zone defense towards him and then kick it off to the guy who's going to score. But that's exactly the key. It's like, don't force it in. Like he he's done he has done for so many years because mm-hmm. he just he's he's in attack mode and he right. really does not he does not have the best touch or the best repertoire of anything else to do around the no. hoop. It's like he's, his shooting was awful to start the year. He's got like this. a like a line drive jump shot and he mm-hmm. has to be a layup or a dunk. There's not really much in like sort of the finger roll baby hook game for him. So and he's not the finisher he used to be too along those lines. He's not quite as good when he gets to the hoop even when he gets into the hole like that, he's, he's not, he doesn't finish as much. Uh, I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I'm buying a little Russell Westbrook is figuring out how to go into the next stage of his career stock right now. I'm buying it. I think, I think he's not going to just fade away like Iverson did. And everybody's going to be like, what happened to Iverson? He was here like yesterday and he's gone now before the multiple comebacks. Um, All right. And uh, Blake Griffin, speaking of another super fun Mm -hmm. athletic freak, um, this one, are you are you buying Blake Griffin as a difference maker on the Nets? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> no, you're not. No, no, the not argument for it is is that you can run like pick and rolls out of him, and he's still a really good passer. And their defense is so bad that he doesn't even hurt them on defense. <laughs> he's 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 a good passer from the post, um, but I just I I don't know. I mean, I I hate how his, his shot's been looking this year from what I've seen of him in Detroit. It's mm. and, and if he's going to feel that way, like he needs to get some of those shots with this team, with these players around him, I don't see how he's ever going to blend in. I mean, he's he, he could hurt the team chemistry if he's selfish with the ball at all. Yeah, I who knows? Does team, team chemistry even matter on the Nets? Doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> they're going to be the weirdest team. I'm just worried that the only thing you're looking for, Blake, Blake Griffin, is that maybe he helps you win a game or two in the playoffs that you wouldn't have won otherwise. That like he's that key bench guy that like oh Blake Blake got you fifteen tonight and shot and shot from the and like helped spread the court like 
they're basically paying to get that night out of him when it matters in the playoffs randomly. I mean, he better not take more than like 12 shots or things are not oh, going to no. go down well. I mean, yeah. I, I <laughs> that should be like his max. Um, Depends how fast they're moving, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think he's got to try to just be used as sort of a decoy in the post because you know he can beat most guys one-on-one and still has some explosion around the hoop. Can he, though? <laughs> can he? I don't know if I know that. <laughs> I don't know if I know that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, but but then I, I would want him, like, like if he doesn't have a clear path like where he feels like he can dunk it, I think he's got to pass it away because I just – I, I just don't trust his his game. It, it's not like on that Clippers team where he like that's what they wanted from him. They they had they had uh, Chris he Paul. Can't do that. He can't do Griffin. those things anymore. Anyway, that's not who yeah. he is anymore. Yeah, I mean he he, can't he, do that. he really was. He's the guy we're gonna look back and we're gonna be like, wow, he he was he was one of the best dunkers of of the decade of, of that last decade that he played ball. Right. I think a lot of people thought that's the Blake. They hear Blake Griffin and they're like, I remember him. He's going to be huge on the Nets because he's another name, but I, I don't think it hurts them or anything. And it might be a positive, but I don't think this is like, there's a lot more pieces to be moved before the trade deadline in the I, East. Yeah. And, I mean, this goes back to, we talked about Andre Drummond before. And yeah. if I'm the Nets, I would have rather waited for, for Andre Drummond. They, they couldn't afford it unless he gets bought out. Uh, and I okay. think Cleveland's Cleveland is not going to buy him out because they're desperate to get a trade, but his salary yeah. is rough. Um, so, okay. Speaking of trades, uh, what um, I think, I think, I think there's a, a quite a few teams that are one player away. And I don't mean like, Oh, you magically get like LeBron James on your team, one player away. I mean, like if they get a, a good player in the right spot, like all of a sudden a team like the Hornets or the wizards or Atlanta or Chicago, or Miami become extremely interesting. Uh, those are all Eastern teams, funny enough, because uh, those are the teams that are always talked about in trades. But like Denver, Denver, if Denver found a way to add a piece without like without giving up any immediate players, all of a sudden they're a really interesting team. Uh, you know, Phoenix is obviously on fire. They could be. They have tons of stuff to move. There's a lot to move. The team that everybody's looking at is Houston. Houston is going to fire sale. So I, I got to say something about Phoenix Suns real quick because I've noticed mm-hmm. something really interesting in, in their box scores lately the past month, and it's fascinating to me. You don't see this in, in the league very much, but you look at their box scores sometimes, and they have 14 players who had minutes yeah. in a game. They're so deep. It's, it's like they're, they're, they're letting all these guys play. And, I mean, so I don't know when it was. I think a few years ago the league changed – I think they used to have a 12 player max of, right. of guys who were allowed like to play dress. the game. It was like a, it was like 15 players on the team, like 12 guys could dress to play mm-hmm. and they upped it uh, a few years ago. So the rosters can be a little deeper and the Suns are taking advantage of that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So you wonder, you know, my little like video game GM starts brain starts ticking off in my head. And I think like, all right, if I have a, a roster that that's deep, can I consolidate some of those guys into a like a top a higher you know a starter another starter or something like that right. um because i'm thinking you know in the playoffs it's really an eight nine man rotation usually that's that's what you're in like significant play yeah. if you're going nine men deep you're you're a deep team in the playoffs mm-hmm. so you have all these guys you wonder can they would phoenix victor oladipo is obviously 
going to be a big name that's available. John Collins in Atlanta, who um, is the kind of player that some team is going to get and everybody's going to go, whoa, this guy's really good once they see him in the playoffs. Uh, you wonder if the Magic are going to fire sale, uh, if Fusevich is going to be available. Mm. Is Chicago going to put people available? Or are they going to be a like a buyer? Which I think maybe they, they might think they should be. Uh, I think it's it might be, really be a interesting. buyer. Yeah, yeah, I think Chicago will be a buyer. So the East is going to have a lot of teams that are going to think they're one player away from being maybe not a top three seed, but maybe a five, you know, maybe, maybe dreaming up to, to a five. Um, it's going to be really interesting. There's a player that I'm really excited to see come back. Um, and that is TJ Warren for the Pacers, who I think oh, he, I he love played TJ a few Warren. minutes right before the all-star break. He got into a game. I think I saw him out there, uh, but he was incredible in the bubble. And then he got hurt and we haven't seen him. And I, I'm really excited to see him come back and, uh, see what this scrappy little Pacers team looks like when they have the stretch four out on the field on the floor again. So TJ Warren, you, you hit on a guy who, um, as you know, you know, I'm an ACC basketball fan. So I watched this guy at NC state just, you know, looking amazing in college. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I was, they've NC state has had a lot of great players in the last 10 years who only stayed uh like a few years and they never all were there at the same time so they've never actually been a great college basketball (laughs) team but they are finally producing great nba players um and yeah warren warren's been great to watch for the pacers before before the injury yeah was that injury in was that in the playoffs last year i can't i think it was i can't remember if it was but he hasn't played at all this until like last week he hadn't played at all this year he'd been out all season yeah. And the Pacers, of course, have gotten rid of Oladipo since then. And uh, I don't remember who I mean, they that, got. That should open deal. things up um, for him even more. So, yeah, uh, that'll, that'll be real interesting to see. Yeah, there's going to be some scrappy teams. I think, obviously, the Nets and Philly are are kind of like the two horses in the race at the moment for the top seed. But uh, there's, there's going to be a scrap fight because we left off with Miami on fire finally getting their act together and becoming that defensive team that they, they kind of need to be with Jimmy Butler and, and bam and everything. And uh, it's really fun. So what are you looking forward to as we go into the second half? What are you looking forward to seeing? Um, I'm looking forward to that race in the East because it's uh it's really 10 teams now, right? Because it's, it's four teams are going to play the play in playoffs for the seven and eight seed. Four teams right. are going to play for seven yeah. and eight. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to have, you know, looking at the standings now, that would be Charlotte, Toronto, Chicago, Indiana. I'm watching the shit out of that. I know. Can you imagine of those teams? Th- those four teams. So let's say um, the seven versus the ten, like Charlotte versus Indiana, Toronto versus Chicago. I mean, mm-hmm. there'd be an awesome little like mini playing tournament. Um, you know, you're like mini NCAA tournament to get into the like the big dance of the NBA. Yeah. That's going to be really fun. And I mean, they all seem like quality teams too. It really doesn't seem like um, one is so much better than the other. So, I mean, if they all get a, a fighting chance in that scenario, I, I just think that's going to be really cool. And, um, and yeah, basically Chicago, um, Zach. They're Levine, fascinating. I watched I mean, a whole bunch of Chicago games after, after they played the Sixers. I was like, wait, I want to watch this team now. Um, they got uh, Thad Young, who's been in the league for like, who knows, 30 years. <laughs> Yeah, I feel and like it's still somehow like only 32. Feel, feels like he's been shipped around to like eight teams. Yeah. It feels like he was on the Sixers for like eight years, but then it's somehow it been was on pre process. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's been playing amazing basketball. He's like 
he's just he's become that guy who glues your team together on both ends of the court. He directs all the traffic. He he's got that team like just scrapping. And Zach Levine yeah. is like we talked up Zach Levine in I think our first show, and I was saying how I liked him, and he has been just oh, on he, fire. Yeah, he he's matured. I mean, he was sort of like he was like a dunk specialist. He was this mm-hmm. like insanely athletic dude, and it didn't look like he ever was going to calm down and turn into an all around offensive weapon. He he's like. Like in the NFL, you say there's like like a gadget player, like you put him right. in a wildcat or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like that he felt like that, and uh, it, it's amazing. I don't know what he did. I, I feel like he must have been putting it. up. <laughs> he, he must have been putting up like a, a couple hundred shots a day over the yeah. summer or something because he's he's on a on a tear from three point range this season. It reminds me of what I said about Embiid earlier that like it feels like Zach Levine added stuff to his game and refined what he already had. And that's what the, that if you want to be a great player in the NBA, you have to constantly add things to your game and constantly refi- refine the things that you've already learned and just get better at them constantly. So you can do them like a machine on the court. And he's, he's, he's putting up those points. He's what Trey young wishes he was right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I agree. I'm the bulls, the East, who are you looking at in the West? Who are you excited about? Um, you love Utah. Just say it. You love Utah. I well, I, I mean, I, I love Denver even more. But yeah, um, oh, good. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for some reason, I I don't know. Denver hasn't quite broken out yet this season. The way yeah, compared to how they looked uh, in the playoffs last year. Um, they were another one if, who started getting hot though, right before the All Star break. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean that, that J- Jamal Murray, if he plays like we, we saw him last year in the playoffs, along with the way that Jokic is, I mean, that's like one of the best big man guard combos in the league. I don't know that they're like a perfect fit for each other. They're good enough and that it works, but I feel like in the playoffs last year, I feel like a lot of their bursts of scoring were when, uh, it was only one of them out on the court and not both of them. And then they would, they could, what they could do is like cycle through. So you'd have a chunk where it was Murray just being like crazy. I'm going to shoot it. Like I'm Steph Curry out and, and just like bomb it up. Then you had Jokic out there without him, like moving the offense and going inside out. And then you had a little time where they'd be out there together and it didn't never quite blended together. Like I feel like it should. Yeah, um, I, I know what you mean. I think Jokic plays better in, in that real, um, you know, movement offense team game. He He's great at, you know, being like this little turret, like mm-hmm. around the uh, around the key and, um, and getting it to the guys who are moving around in the right places. Um, but then sometimes it's Jamal Murray time. And, and yep. I, I would say he's, I mean, he's, he's taller than Steph Curry. He's not as good at three point shoot. To me, it, it was almost like he was a, like a more like a smaller Kobe Bryant or like a, a you know, quicker, smaller Jason Tatum, the way mm-hmm. the things that he showed in the playoffs last year. And, um, and I mean, he exceeded my expectations. I, I knew he was supposed to be a big talent, um, you know, from Kentucky, like most of those guys are supposed to be, but um, yeah, I mean, it's sometimes it's Jamal Murray time and <laughs> And, and you're not going to be able to get the um, the the offense flowing the way the way you planned through Jokic, um, and 
you know, Jokic is always there to, to help get a rebound or, or do something else. He's really you know, good off of Jamal Murray. Uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s coming along. He's, uh, he's not quite as good yet as, as what he was projected to be. He's, he's what they call a tantalizing talent. You yeah. watch him and you're like, man, if this guy gets it together, he's going to be mm-hmm. really fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we are amiss as, as basketball fans talking about basketball that we didn't mention the Knicks are in the fucking heat of a playoff race. It is past the all-star break and the Knicks are right there. They, they're, they're in the thick of it. Yeah. And they're going to be, they're going like, to be buyers at the trade deadline. They will. Cause they feel like they have to be, cause it's New York and they're finally not shit. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess is, is it fool's gold? It just seems really, it just seems really odd that suddenly they have, they have this motley crew of, you know, random collection of, of draft it's picks. so random. They're the most random yeah. team. <laughs> That's funny. Um, speaking of uh, flailing, what do, uh, is Boston going to get a big man? Well, they going to do it? Um, so, so I don't know if you heard, but the Spurs are, um, are dealing LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah. So Aldridge is going to be available. Um, hey guys, have... we got somebody who's going to stop Embiid and Giannis in the playoffs. It's Lamarcus <laughs> Aldridge's corpse. Mm. No, yeah, that's it's <laughs> probably not going to work. Um, and that's why I'm still on. And, and I don't know, you you know all the um, the sort of salary cap repercussions and everything. So um, it all depends on if they buy him out or trade him. If it's a buyout, you get him for whatever you he'll sign for. You get a veteran's minimum. But that means San Antonio right. agrees to pay off whatever the salary cap hit is and all that, or the contract. Right. And from what I've read, like, they really don't want to do it that way. <laughs> They're no, because really be you don't get anything and it costs you money. <laughs> That's why Cleveland's not cutting Andre Drummond. I mean, uh, right. yeah. Well, so, so is Drummond, um, Drummond going to be more possible for the Celtics to get than Aldridge? I, I think that might be the question. If, if if it was a trade, I would say no. I bet you Aldridge has a cheaper contract than Drummond. If it's a if it's a if they both get cut, I think Boston would take Drummond over Aldridge. With I the think they would that, like to, but right, yeah, I don't but, know if they'll. Right, yeah, I don't know. The guy everybody wants from Cleveland is Larry Nance Jr. He doesn't want to leave Cleveland, and they apparently don't want to get rid of him because he's got such a cheap contract, and he's like this pillar of the community. Uh, Oh, you know what I forgot to bring up before we're done about Westbrook that I, I just realized, and it was something I wanted to talk about. There was a story a couple of weeks ago that Westbrook like pulled the team together and asked all the young players what their role was. And apparently what was interesting about this was the players were like, I don't know what my role is. Like they didn't like, they, they were just going out there and playing ball. And he was like, no, tell me your role. And he went around the room and made each of them say like what their role is on the basketball court and all the players were, all the young guys were like, that was so helpful. Like, I'm always just trying to, you know, yeah. it's, it's funny. Like you think of the psychology of it, you're a young kid and you're like, I'm just gonna come out. I got to do everything great and blah, blah, blah. And here's what Russell Westbrook saying. Like, no, all you have to do is your job is to get rebounds. Your job is to play defense on the best guy. Your job is to, is to float around the perimeter and nail jump shots and be in the right spot when, when somebody gets in trouble under the, in the paint. And it's funny. I think there's, there's actual value to that, to saying like basketball is a, a team sport. As much as we celebrate the guys who are singular talents, 
the it works so much better when people do jobs like New England Patriots style, like do your job. If, if you're out so, there to get rebounds, get fucking rebounds and be a boss at it. So Russell Westbrook basically do what Kyrie Irving did in Brooklyn, but like the right way. Kyrie yes. just like just came out like randomly to the media or something. It was like, yeah, James Harden, he's our point guard. He's just like <laughs> dictating what everybody does around him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're talking about Kyrie Irving. I don't know, but that seems to work so far. James Harden is, seems to be playing as if he's their point guard. And yeah, you know what winning. happens when, when Harden doesn't have the ball in his hands? He's not <laughs> known for like his active teammateship when he doesn't have the ball in uh, his hands. <laughs> yeah, but he, I mean, he's, he's passing it. So, um, right. I, I don't know. So maybe like Kyrie's ways seem to work too, but maybe that's just because you want those easy the, shots. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's why there's there's a little hope with the Wizards, which is which is kind of surprising. I love it, and they seem to be really absorbing his uh, his, his veteran wisdom. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to think of that because I still think of Westbrook as just this like Tasmanian devil out there, but I like it. Um, yeah, he was this little snot who I in the NCAA tournament when he was on UCLA cost me a, f- a few years because I just I just kept underrating him and those teams he was on and. <laughs> That's kind of his thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So we got, we got, I think we covered everything. We covered trades. Uh, th- trades should be coming down. I think there's two weeks left. Uh, and the, the, the agent talk around the league is happening, especially like, like crazy, especially with like Kyle Lowry. Uh, is he, is he want to leave? Does he not want to leave? Uh, is he going to go to Philly? Is he going to go to LA? All this stuff. Uh, so we should, there might, I, I bet you there'll be a trade or two that'll be fun to talk about by the time we come on next. But within the next two shows, the trade deadline will be over and we'll be looking at the buyout market. And then we'll be looking at teams with their playoff rosters and really know where we're going. So we're, it's, it's about to hit some, some, you know, a speed ramp into the playoffs for the next two months. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I, I just got to say um, there's a, a quote in a headline uh, came out today. PJ Tucker would relish the chance to play for the Sixers. <laughs> well, there you so. go. Well, Maury, uh, the Sixers general manager, certainly, you know, he comes from Houston. He put that team together. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's going to – Houston's going to be – Houston's the fire sale of all fire sales. They're not – Christian Woods is the only person they're going to keep on that team if they can help it. And everybody else that they have is is up on the block and ready to go. Oh, yeah. So, Victor Oladipo. Right, exactly. I want to see where the hell he's going. P.J. Tucker would be nice for certain teams. He'd be that Mm – I think a really important piece for, for the Sixers going into if the playoffs. If he can still play. It's hard I, I to th- tell. I think he can. Um, I think in the right format. And he, he knows his job. He knows how to do his job when he's around superstars like he did with James Harden um, and, and with Chris Paul. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Victor Oladipo, like, does, it, does a team like the Celtics want Victor Oladipo? Um, actually, no. Who was I thinking of? Who could really use a guy like that? Um, oh, I had a good one too, but I can't think of it. I, 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 had, I had a good I'm one. I'm sure Dallas Oladipo. will look at him. Uh, Dallas will look at him. I'm sure. Uh, I, honestly, I think Denver should look at him. Uh, Memphis, yeah. maybe. Memphis is a really interesting team also, real quick, because I think Memphis – I think Memphis could get good, really good real quick if they can get the right guy. And, and in a way that I know I said that about other teams, but I feel like 
they're the ones that if they just got like if they added like a B player, not even like an A player, like a B player who make who can who can come and add some some depth to that team. I think they can accelerate their ceiling really quick a little bit. Not well, championship about, level, but they could piss somebody off in the playoffs. How about Portland? I really think Portland could use Noel Depot. Like for real. I mean, they, they just need, need CJ back. Once CJ and, and Covington are back on the court and like playing wow. right. I mean, no, CJ and Dame ha- have have always have always had a, a bit of this natural overlap where they're always going to take a little bit from each other. You can't yeah. You can never really have both of them hot at the same time because so much of their game is so similar. They're they're basically it's two guards. It's two. But they're married to it. They're, they're not going. Neither of those guys is going anywhere. That team is married to that. So you got to bring in guys who can play with that. That's Old Depot. I don't know. Old. I, I have a lot of questions about Old Depot. He could end up being a guy who swings a power balance, or he could end up being a guy who tanks a team. And I'm really curious which way it could go. Well, that yeah. First, um, I, I was I was mentioning the Celtics, and I was like, oh, never mind. He 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 would fuck that team up royally. I, I cannot <laughs> see I cannot see Oladipo meshing with the way that that Tatum and now Jalen Brown has mm-hmm. emerged. Talk about overlap. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And there's there's not enough shots to go around on that team. And Oladipo is a guy who now he's got this reputation of guy who pouts when he's not mm-hmm. respected enough. So yeah, he's got to go to a team um, where he's he's going to be able to play his role. He's going to have an important role, but know that he's not the number one guy either. Yeah, I, that's why I think Dallas. There's no doubt if he goes to Dallas, he there's no he would have to be insane if right. he thinks he's going to Dallas and is going to like big up his way to be the alpha dog. It's not going to happen. Like <laughs> there's nobody on the team that would want him to be the alpha dog. Right. You're not walking in that room, and and nobody's going. Oh, uh, you know what? Yeah, you take over. You, we want the ball in your hands instead of Luca's. There's, there's no. It's just not going to happen. That I think that could be a really fascinating move. He could yeah, be the kind be. of guy that maybe Houston or uh, Phoenix traded some young talent for, kind of thing. Right? They think they package like three players and draft pick for him. I mean, they, they have maybe. It. I mean, they <laughs> might. It might not even cost that much because, uh, because you know, I think he's on his contract year. And everybody seems to think he's a dick. So we'll yeah. see. <laughs> but you know, people people kept calling Paul George a dick for a while, and he was certainly wanted. But he's also a better player. So, right. all right, cool. So yeah. uh, that was a fun show. We we're, we're back. The NBA is back, and uh, we're gonna have some college hoops to talk about next week, right? Yeah, selection Sundays uh, finally coming up this Sunday. So yeah, and then the games um, start Wednesday, Wednesday um, or Tuesday. Yeah, I think the playing games are. It might be Monday, Monday, Tuesday Monday. night. The ones that I don't really care about and don't really count on the brackets. Right. And then it goes do. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's the best. <laughs> it's going to be fun. There's yeah. going to be so much basketball. It's going to be great. Frank, maybe you can come with a cheat sheet of like uh, the guys the NBA is looking at for like NBA fans to like me who don't watch any college basketball who we're going to yeah. be looking at and who we're going to be talking about. All right. Sounds good. Sweet. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Later, Frank. All right. See you, Josh. It's a great um, logo. Is it also a mascot? It is, right? There's there's like a Ben Franklin that runs around the building. Yeah. It's usually the dog that you see on TV, though. Yeah, well, it's not the bunny rabbit anymore, right? Wasn't that? Hip-hop? Yeah. He wasn't even a rabbit. That would have actually made sense. He was just this blue, like, grimace-looking thing. Yeah.
<laughs> he was. <laughs> he was. That was the worst mascot. And then everybody thought Gritty was terrible, and then everybody realized Gritty is amazing. Yeah, Gritty's the best. Yeah, hip hop was terrible. Oh yeah, hip hop. I I saw I I was at a. Did I ever tell you my story about basketball camp when I was a kid? Uh, I feel like you told me once, but I don't remember. Would the world be free. No. <laughs> so he was the special guest, and of course, I had no clue who he was because did, he wasn't like fucking Charles Barkley or whoever. Or so did you go to Sixers basketball camp, like the official? I don't remember. It was at it was either at Haddonfield like High it. School or Bishop Eustis High School at the gym or something. Okay. When I was when I was a kid, and so I went to camp and I had like a hundred and three degree fever and didn't know it. I felt like shit, but I was still going. And World Be Free was a motivational speaker for the day, and he <laughs> so he was like, they were like, World Be Free, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know who this is. Cool, whatever. And I'm just like sitting there, like dying, not paying attention. And he's he's going through this whole extended metaphor about how the most important thing to do in basketball is keep your eye on the ball. And as his punchline, he was like looking for a kid who wasn't paying attention, which was me. Yeah. And he pegged me in the face with the ball with like a chest <sighs> pass. Oh. And I had like 103 fever, and I was just out. I like boom, just fell over and passed out oh like oh you're fine kid like brush it off blah 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 and i missed the whole rest of basketball camp because i was so sick all oh. because of world be free oh my god <laughs> so that's my story that's my running with basketball greatness in your ear podcast network